0: Welcome into the feels like 45 podcast. I'm Cade Webb. And as always, I am joined by Dustin Ragusa for another episode of the feels like 45 podcast this week. Dustin, good to talk with you again, my friend.
1: We're back. And you know, to the listeners out there, we're recording this the same day as the Eddie one. So we're just being real fake right now, trying yeah. to make y'all think it's two separate days.
0: <laughs> Volume. I mean, we're we're a stat sheet stuffer in terms of the amount of content we're putting out. But yeah, who cares? How the, the people should love.
1: People should love what we did this offseason, Giving them two episodes. Yeah, just you know, I mean, I, my wife's probably going to divorce me after the offseason. We're not <laughs> well, even in football.
0: Well, the scrolling disclaimer. I mean, if we had video, is just don't get used to this. Don't get used to this. Don't get used to this. I mean, that that's the fact of the matter. I mean, we we get these great guests on. I mean, earlier in the week, we had Eddie Radosevich on from Soonerscoop.com the franchise in Oklahoma City. I mean, just another fantastic guest that we've been lucky enough to have on these on these episodes that have run a little long. So it's like, We'd rather give you something you can digest and then take a break and go listen to Joe Rogan or whatever you listen to, and then come back the next day when we, when we roll another one out. So you don't care how the sausage is made. The only thing is we're just throwing content at you. So, so buckle up.
1: Yeah. And you're right, kid, the guests, we appreciate everybody coming on. It's been awesome. We had fun doing it next year. Maybe we'll start a little earlier and we get those some more teams in there as we explained before we started doing it you know we we wanted to try to take the teams we thought were kind of the top so you know the OUs the Texas the Baylor we threw TCU in there K State and you know we left off Iowa State West Virginia we we can get those in there next year try to find some guests and the other thing was we kind of knew these people already so it helped out a little bit, but the guests were awesome, and we really appreciate them coming on. Uh, we think you got, hopefully, you guys really liked all of them, and uh, we're gonna plan on doing it again.
0: Yeah, a fun series. I mean, we—I learned a lot. I mean, going back all the way to our first one to Sam Bradshaw, Sick of Three Sixty Five, Jamie Plunkett. My brother taught me some stuff about Kansas State. I mean, it's a good, good off season, and it was a really nice way to spend it. I mean, here's the deal: the rest of the Big Twelve is gonna have to get much better because I, I don't know if I want to tune in to a KU all the time. Yeah. I mean, am I going to tune into a KU preview? Probably not. So uh, we'll, sure we'll probably
1: skip them. Yeah.
0: Anyway. <laughs> right. Right. Well, I mean, Dustin, let's get right into it. I mean, several things to get to. And again, a thank you uh, to you and Randall last week for, for holding down the fort on the podcast. I greatly appreciated this. Some stuff personally came up. Everybody's good. We're doing great. Um, so again, just thankful for that, but I mean, it's, it's everybody's favorite uh, conversation. And probably if, if I had to say, your second favorite topic behind realignment is preseason polls. Do I have that right?
1: You do. You know me so well, Kate. I do love a good preseason poll.
0: Yeah, I, I actually I, – I knew that about you 100%. But, I mean, Oklahoma State coming in at number 12 in the AP. I mean, just your, your thoughts on that, I, I think it's appropriate. I think they have enough questions on defense to be in that spot. Um, ultimately, I really – have only one thought, but I want to open it up to you first before I give you that. I don't want to taint you.
1: Just on their overall, just ranking Yeah,
0: they're at twelve. I mean, what do you what do you think about that?
1: I think it's fair. It's honestly kind of weird that the coaches' poll came out with them at what eleven, and then yeah. they're twelve in the AP. Normally, you see some fairly large discrepancies once you get past like one, two, three, four, five in those polls. But I, I think it's fair. But Kate, it's it's hard for me because you know I'm. I'm a pretty optimistic fan. I do try to be reasonable and truthful in my analysis, but I liked him at 12. Uh, you and I have said, what, 10-win season, I think, is where we've kind of landed. And I, I believe 12 would be right around that area if they were to win that many games and win their bowl game, stuff like that. So that 10-11 win area, I, I think it's fair. I don't, I don't love how OU Baylor and OSU are like jumbled, yeah. I don't polls, like it. Either. Like it feels right, lazy right next to each other. I know Oregon's kind of in between Baylor and OSU right now at 11, but it's not my favorite thing. I do love that Texas is not included. That's funny and good for me. Um, and, you know, just my overall psyche there, just having them out, but what's, what's your take kid? I don't really have any like hot takes. Yeah. On no OSU's spot in this poll. Well, you know, and, and neither do I, I think we're both
0: pretty anti-hot take. This is, this is one of those topics you have to discuss though. And I do have a thought. I mean, I I really think there's a case to be made for Baylor, Oklahoma and Oklahoma state to be interchangeable. I mean, if you had Oklahoma state at nine Baylor at 10 and OU at 12, I would have said, yep, makes perfect sense to me because they are just kind of like thrown out there on that list. It feels like the voters didn't really quite know what to do with them. And so they just put them somewhere close to each other. And it's, it's not unreasonable. I think this conference race is coming down to the last weekend, maybe even coming down to a head-to-head, you know, three-way tiebreaker type of scenario with how good I think those teams are going to be. But, you know, I think the biggest thing for me is I think Oklahoma state has a little more uh, questions answered than even in Oklahoma. And we talked to Eddie about this uh, earlier in the week, but I I think Oklahoma state's questions have answers And I, I don't feel that way about Oklahoma. I think they just have bigger questions. I think, I think Brent Venables is going to be a good coach. I think Dylan Gabriel is going to be good. I think Eric gray, Marcus major are going to be good, but that's right there. Three really important things that do have to go well. And Gabriel has got to stay healthy um, to, to give Oklahoma, you know, that shot. And so obviously that's contingent upon, you know, health and everything like that. But I, I really think Oklahoma state, um, has more answered questions than even in Oklahoma. And then, you know, you look at Baylor. I, I think they have some questions on defense that maybe we are not talking enough about. I mean, Jalen Petrie is a big loss, big-time loss. And, and you know, I would put that up there with, like, an Oklahoma State losing Malcolm Rodriguez. Um, but I, I, think, I think both of those teams have answers. And so, um, again, ultimately, I think you could put them anywhere – but I, I, I don't love Oklahoma state being third on that list. For some reason, that part rubbed me a little bit the wrong way. So.
1: Yeah. It seems like when a lot of these first kind of predictions and everything was coming out, like not official ones, just from media outlets and everything that it was Baylor and OSU kind of at the yeah. top of everybody's list. And, that, and now OU's kind of crept in there, which isn't a surprise to me at all, but they've kind of taken over as the leader, it seems. And, To be fair, I I agree with a lot of the stuff Eddie was saying, you know, the main, the main take on OU is they're, they lost all these players, you know, to the transfer portal, the NFL, they lose the coach. And, and I'm not saying, I think Brent Venables is going to be a home run higher. I still have question marks there, but the talent on this team is, is still so great. It's still Oklahoma football. So, it's 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 going to be interesting, like you said, if if they have an injury to Dylan Gabriel or something like that. We didn't even get to talk that much to Eddie about the backup quarterback situation, but it's I don't think they have a clear guy there yet. Uh, I like I said, I watched the spring game. I wasn't super impressed with anybody else besides Gabriel. There were some good things and some bad things, but it'll be interesting. It, it is also, you know, we talked about Baylor, OU, and Oklahoma State, but Cincinnati and BYU. I know they're and Houston. I know they're not in the. Yeah, but those three kind of round out the top 25. So you've you've got six future Big 12 teams in there.
0: Well, 100%. It's a great look. Um, One thing I wanted to ask you, and I meant to ask Eddie this, but I mean, how important is quarterback health in the state of Oklahoma this year? I mean, healthy quarterbacks are going to, and and this is probably the case every year, but I, I don't feel like there's ever been so steep a drop in both of these quarterback rooms from one to two. Um, I mean, Oklahoma state even had Shane Illingworth, who I think most fans felt better about, um, but quarterback play and quarterback health in the state of Oklahoma is going to probably decide the big 12 conference. And at least who's in that conference title game, like if Oklahoma state or Oklahoma have a significant injury there, that team's going to be out is, is the way I see it. Um, and And it would be that way most years, but you know, like looking back to those really good Oklahoma teams in like the mid 2010s. I don't know if that's the case. I think this year it yeah. is the case.
1: No, you're hundred percent right. I, if, if Spencer Sanders goes down, I'm not saying I don't think Gunnar Gundy's a good quarterback. Like, like I've mentioned multiple times, I, I was able to go and watch in the spring last year and I was very impressed. I, you know, i watched a lot of his tape at Stillwater when I wrote about him for pistols firing. I think he is a really talented player. I really like Garrett Rangel. I, I just if Spencer Sanders was to go down, I don't think I think Oklahoma State's ceiling drops significantly. Like if you're saying it's a 10-11 win, if Spencer Sanders was to go down in game one, I think your ceiling becomes what seven. Seven. Yeah. Real realistically, and not trying to be hot takey with that either. I just I just think you're right. And same thing for OU. They've got a lot of talent. You know, they've got the four-star guy. Can't think of his name off the top of my head. And they've got, they've got some transfers from other schools. But Dylan Gabriel is their guy. And if he goes down, especially with this connection with Jeff Lebby and everything from their time at UCF, and then, you know, Hypo kept running that same offense the next year when Lebby was gone. So it, it's huge. It's really huge in the state of Oklahoma, that starting quarterback position. Yeah. So if you want to keep them healthy.
0: Yeah, I mean, we're gonna get K State and Texas in the Big 12 title game if that if that happens. So, <laughs> hey one one last thing, you said it about the uh, new Big 12 members. I wanted to uh, ask you if you saw this tweet from the Mountain West today. Um, it was five teams in the AP top 20 or top 44. Did you happen to see this? <laughs> the, the old top 44 because of the the getting yes. votes. Yes. I do like that. They said same as the Big 12. More than the Pac-12, because they had five teams in the top 44. And I'm like, which of those teams is, is sniffing one of the top teams in the Big 12? I, it, was, it just cracked me up. It's almost like when you're, you know, your monthly numbers aren't up to snuff, and you're like, well, I got I to gotta figure out the narrative here. That's what I felt yeah,
1: like. You change, you change the, uh, yeah, you changed the
0: KPI. You changed the metric. Exactly.
1: But, yeah, and kid, you know, I, whenever I count or listen to anything off, especially on this podcast, I always go up to 44. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, feels like 45. Yeah, I mean, exactly.
1: I mean, what are, what are we doing here? That is our number.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, great, great stuff. I mean, the AP poll is, it is like the almost like last shoe to drop before we, uh, um, before we actually get into football. And I know as a kid, like for me, when the AP poll came out and I saw that single digit next to Oklahoma state's name for the first time ever, how cool that was in the moment. Um, and, and, you know, I think some of that luster's worn off as Oklahoma state's been as good as they've been uh, recently. But uh, yeah, I remember as a kid, I think whenever they went and played Georgia and they were number nine preseason, it's a pretty cool moment. I think a lot of people probably do look forward to it.
1: So anyway. Yeah, um, I agree. I it's, it's a fun, it's a fun convo to have about the top 25. I, like I said, I, I know you made the joke earlier, but, I do, I do like when the AP cult comes out. I do, I do remember like as a kid, and even yeah. now, counting down the days, or like once they announce and they're gonna release it, just to see where LSU was at. Uh, a lot of times when I was growing up, they weren't ranked until a little bit later on into my teenage years. They started. Becoming you know really good, but it was all it was always a favorite thing of mine. So yeah, no doubt.
0: Well, I mean, let's let's flip it over to you for some notes from fall camp. I mean, last week's podcast was full of great information. So if you haven't listened to that, go back and listen to it. I mean, it broke down extreme camp, what the, what we saw there, um, and I mean, Dustin, any updates from you? I mean, about, from fall camp from this week on.
1: Yeah, Kate, I, I think this time you know a, I got a little rambly last time as I tend to do. So. We'll try to go maybe position group by position group this time. You can help me keep on yeah, track. Yeah, you, but- said,
0: you said I would get mad. That's not the case. It's not the case at all. I love when you go <laughs> off topic.
1: Not, not so much mad, just like, how do I keep this on track if he's just going to ramble, create, like talk wide receivers and then D-line and then back to wide receivers. But uh, um, just, just in general, some notes, Oklahoma State, if you didn't know, they're literally in the heart of fall camp. I think it's six days of practice in a row, and their their first off day after that is tomorrow, which we're recording on Tuesday, so that'd be Wednesday, August 17th. Gundy said it's been very physical. They're not going to the ground. For anyone that gets worried about that, I know I mentioned how physical they were being last week a bunch, and then we've heard about some injuries that we'll get to. They're being physical, but in a safe way. Obviously, they've got the helmets on, which I'm sure you saw they talked a lot about those on Hard Knocks if you watch that they've got the special helmets they're not going to the ground it's just hitting wrapping up in live 11 on 11 they're not going to the ground they will do that during fall camp but they're not doing it right now they're getting these guys kind of fully up to speed they did the full uh sunday special teams practice they do a cool practice where it's a lot of the newcomers get together with the coaches so the coaches are able to spend more time with them and that is in full pads so that's pretty cool but Cade, let's start off with the bad news, and then we'll kind of go position group by position group. So injuries, and we can kind of take this injuries convo into wide receivers because and, and cowboy backs because that's where most of it's at. Gundy actually came out and said that Blaine Green injured his wrist, and this this is all just kind of rumors right now. I, we haven't heard anything concrete, and Cade, let me know if you have, but from the people I've talked to, It sounds like there might need to be some surgery involved, which could kind of be similar to, I think it was Trey Sterling last year had a little bit similar situation. We know how that ended up. He missed a lot of the season. I think he really only played two games at the beginning and then later on at the end of the year. That's tough because we had Blaine Green as our starting Cowboy back. Talked a lot about him, the the dynamic ability he brings to this offense. What were your... Thoughts when you heard that and then kind of thoughts when you and I talked off air about how serious it maybe could be.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's a big loss, like make no mistake about it. I mean, Blaine green was there for a reason. They had, I think circled him as the most lethal weapon at that position. Um, I mean, we, we love Braden Cassidy. I mean, you and I both do. So, you know, that's part of what we talked about too, is they've got options there, but not one that presents the same, opportunity as a healthy Blaine Green in the passing game I mean I think Blaine Green was gonna be that red zone uh really kind of difference maker that a defense has to account for because if they don't he can pick you apart but I also think they would have been able to use him in some like like eye candy situations where you can bait the defense with some movement behind the line um and then zip one out into the flat to Brennan Presley and let him do do the dirty work for you but um yeah, I think it's a big loss for those reasons. And you hope it's not as serious as what you laid out, but that's kind of, it's kind of unfortunately with the, the direction we think it's going. Um, I, I was really excited to see him. I know my dad, huge Blaine Green fan. He was actually, we were talking about him like a week ago. And my dad said, I mean, Blaine Green is the secret to this season. And I was like, okay, to take it easy. But I do think he was going to unlock a lot for this offense. And I think it's, it's a really big loss. Like, make no mistake.
1: Yeah. And, you know, it, we gave him the feels like 45 jinx and it's not even your fault. I, the first podcast after we switched him to one cowboy back on the depth chart, he gets injured. That's so um, that's a terrible apologies. thing to, to, to know. I didn't. It's I didn't me. Even think about it's, that. I'm the problem. And I'm, I'm yeah, not you, trying to like you bring really, all the attention and importance to myself. That's not what I'm doing here. I know it kind of seems like that. I'm truly apologizing if I caused any issue, if if I led to this at all. Well, now that you say that, I think it's absolutely important
0: to note your track <laughs> record. I mean, we are, It's bad. You, are, you are causing some serious issues.
1: I'm not doing game predictions this year. I'm being dead serious. You're just going <laughs> to do that. And then we're going to end because we'll lose every game because I'm going to probably pick us to win every game. <laughs>
0: Well, to be fair, I think I've been right in the boat with you. I mean, if the boat's going down, you and I are both going down in it, it. There's no doubt. We threw, our rat, we threw our paddles out a
1: long time ago. We said we don't need that. <laughs> it's very true. Um, but on, on the Blaine Green, Kate, I want to give you, and I know we talked about it a little off here, so it'll be the same convo, but since we're on the podcast now, can I give you a positive spin zone to this? I'd love to. As positive as I can get. <laughs> Which the is one- really positive. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's true. The one thing that this means talking to my guy, Adam Lund about this friend of the pod formula tape doesn't lie, which we all wish he would bring back. Is that Blaine Green's injury. I'm not saying it's a good thing at all. We need Blaine Green out there. It is a significant blow to this team for all the reasons you mentioned, especially if he's improved as a blocker, you can play 10 personnel when you want and 11 personnel when you want with the same guys out there. So the one thing that this does though is we know Braden Cassidy's a good blocker. You and I were we love Logan Carter, but we were all aboard the Braden Cassidy train. Anytime he was in the game, amazing blocker. He he was one of the key components of the split zone that was so successful for Oklahoma State last year, which is when he comes across, flows against the offensive line, and comes across and sets the trap block on that defensive end or that edge player. This means Cassidy's going to have to play a lot more. And behind him, I believe it's going to be Quentin Stewart, who's actually listed as heavier than Braden Cassidy. So you're going with two big guys who are blockers. We know Cassidy can block on a team that has inexperience at running back and possibly some question marks on the offensive line. So the one positive that I'm getting to is you're going to have these better blockers out there. Now, if Blaine Green has significantly improved his blocking ability switching from receiver to cowboy back last year. We saw some issues there, especially the, especially in games like the big 12 championship and things like that. He wasn't able to kind of hold his own on some of those blocks that Cassidy could. So if he has it significantly improved, then ca- having Cassidy out there is going to greatly help your pass pro and your run game. So I think that's the long winded kind of positive spin I have on this is maybe Blaine Green does need a little bit more time to bulk up, maybe another year to be kind of your full-time Cowboy back. We, we won't know that now if the inj- injury is significant, but I, I don't think it's as bad as when I kind of first thought
0: about it. Well, I guess my biggest question is, Can you go? F- are you going to go fast even with the Cowboy back out there? So how does this impact tempo is my first thought. Yeah, like, th- I mean, be- they did it. They did it in the they in did the festival. The they did, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, well, and I, I'm more saying, can you go fast? Can you go as fast as they did with Blaine Green out there as like now with a Braden Cassidy? Does this change the offense in your mind um, and, and limit anything in terms of tempo? I think that's my, my biggest question for you.
1: Yeah, I, I, think it, I think it limits some things in the passing game yeah. overall. Right. I don't know if it limits – the scheme, it because the thing is the some of the things you're going to take away in the passing game. And I'm not saying Braden Casty can't catch. I mean, they may throw him the football. He's trimmed down in weight. He's looking like, like a lean 240. He's got the beautiful mullet and the mustache going. He looks awesome. But <laughs> the, the thing is, it adds some things in the running game. And again, I'm making assumptions because Blaine Green has had another full-off season at Cowboy back. yeah I don't know much how much he's improved as a blocker. But there's, he's, I'm, I can say with pretty, pretty positive certainty that Braden Casty is a better blocker than him still. So I do think that helps you out there. And maybe Oklahoma State's not going to be able to do everything they were going to do if they had both guys, but maybe they do some things better with Casty out there, yeah, I like that. the split zone, like, you know, putting Braden Casty next to Jake Springfield. If Jake Springfield ends up being the right tackle, if you've got a really speedy, fast rusher on the outside, Brayden Cassidy can throw his shoulder into him with a chip block, give Springfield a little bit more time to move his feet and get his hands on the guy. So just, just a positive way of looking at it. I'm not trying to downplay the injury. I think it's a big loss. I hope what I'm hearing is wrong. And I, I think it could be because I, I, this is not solid source info that I have on this. So ho- hopefully it, hopefully it turns out that Blaine Green can play, but just kind of wanted to throw that out. There. Yeah. Yeah. No,
0: I love the way you broke that down too. the, they could do some things better with Cassidy out there. is a good way to good way to break that down. I like it.
1: Yeah, along with along with that injury, we still have. You know, we talked about it last. Yeah, in last week's podcast with Randall about Brendan Presley getting held out of some of the eleven-on-eleven 11 stuff. It sounds like that's just precautionary. I think it's a lower body injury, and I think they're just holding him out as not to make it a bigger deal which is why I think Gundy hasn't brought it up like he did with the Blaine Green one I don't think it's serious I think it's more of a hey let's not put this guy out there in full contact when he's probably our most dynamic offensive player and risk him getting injured more when he may have tweaked something so I'm not as concerned I mean K do you have any big concern there from what you've heard on that one at this time No not not from what
0: I've heard and not from what I mean if he's being held out of contact, but is otherwise, you know, kind of walking through some things, I would be more concerned if he's just straight up, not out there. Like that is when that's when the alarm bells start going off for me. So, um, I mean, and shoot, I really don't mind, you know, the third year player being held out of some of these contact drills. They, they know Uh, what it feels like to get hit.
1: Yeah. I saw a Pokes report writing kind of a, uh, that's a great point. Cause like, like I'm saying, they kind of broke down all of the Oklahoma state opponents and how their spring's going. So many of the star players for all these teams are not going through full pads, not going through contact. Uh, what's his name for Kansas state? Well, with the crazy last name. The yeah, defensive Fe-
0: Felix uh, is what yeah. I call him <laughs> because I yes. can't say his last name because he hasn't stupid. been practicing. Well, so let's just go just really quickly. I mean, Arizona State star defensive end doesn't look like he's going to play this season. Is is kind of the rumor. You look at Felix from Kansas State. Um, there's even, I mean, at Texas, we just had Ian Boyd on. We talked about Junior Aguilar and uh, the kid from Wyoming whose name escapes me. Uh, Nayer. From, Nayer. Isaiah Nayer. Uh, both with torn ACLs and
1: Roshan Johnson's hurt as well. Roshan
0: Johnson's hurt. We just talked about too, uh TD roof, who was going to play for OU uh, season ending uh, injury with a torn bicep. So you're seeing like some really significant injuries take place across the big 12 right now. And um, you hope that bug stays, stays far, far away. Oklahoma state's been somewhat lucky in that regard, but I mean, uh, they, they're not immune to it by any means. So.
1: Yeah, and uh, along with those, we've got Alan Shetron, who you know we talked about last week, and Trace Ford, who are being held out of this stuff, but we know those injuries. Obviously, Trace Ford with the ACL, Alan Shetron with the ankle. They're going to be worked back in. Gundy already mentioned that these guys are going to get worked back in, so no issues there. But since we talked about all these wide receivers and cowboy backs, let's start with wide receivers, Cade. Randall and I brought up something last week, talking about the inside receiver position if Brennan Presley were to be injured for a long time, which I don't think he is, it's John Paul Richardson and then his younger brother, Braylon behind him. Something we've seen through fall camp though is Cale Cavendish, who You might remember as the hero from the Boise state game. He has been getting a lot of run inside. I'm not saying that Cale Cabanis is going to be getting a lot of playing time this year but I do think he is behind the the other three names we just mentioned at the inside spot. And that was a question you and I had. Who else is playing inside receiver? Are they going to put Rashad Owens or Braden Johnson back there? And I still think they might if there were some injuries, but I think Cale Cabanis is that next guy up in line there. Yeah,
0: and that's interesting because his name's been thrown around a lot this offseason. Like, there's a lot of photos of him. If you pay attention on social media, um, you'll see some of the twos on the defense uh, going up against him. And so that's actually the first time I noticed that. I think it was Cameron Epps who made a ridiculous one-handed interception. They put it out there on social media. And um, it was Kale, uh, Kale Cabanis who was uh, the, the receiving player on that play. So that's the first time I thought maybe he's in the twos. And that's what we're kind of thinking.
1: Yeah, and he's super athletic, has super athletic family. And oh, yeah. I, I, I'm not – I don't think it's an issue. I don't know if it'll ever get. Even even if there are a lot of injuries, like I said, I think you move a Braden Johnson or put a Rashad Owens there. Which Rashad Owens? I don't know how much video and images you've seen of him from spring and fall. But if they put that dude at inside receiver, he's going to be the biggest inside receiver of all time. His can I interest you in, in like a as little? As big as my body.
0: Can I interest you in a little slot fade to Rashad yeah. Owens?
1: <laughs> I think, I think Rashad may be on the outside now full time, but I do think like a Braden Johnson or something like that. And, you know, we've talked about him. This is a guy that I said I didn't think was going to play a lot. I thought he was going to be a special teams guy, maybe kick return, punt return, and maybe some gadget plays here and there. But Braylon Presley is apparently impressing. And I'm not saying I'm surprised by it. I just thought due to his size, he may need a little bit more time, especially not coming in the spring. But let me, let me read off some quotes. Uh, I guess he had like a 70-yard touchdown on a screen pass. Yeah, a
0: tunnel screen he took to the house is is yes. kind of the thing floating around camp this week.
1: So, so Thomas Harper said, he ran right by me. He's definitely fast, definitely, definitely athletic. I'm excited to see what he can do. And Corey Black said, he was fast. We've talked to Brandon about it, but I don't know who's faster no more. I was on the sideline, and I saw it. It was crazy. <laughs> I mean,
0: yeah. I mean, those quotes are funny because it's like I could just picture, you know, a, a certain reporter. Hey, what'd you think about this? He's fast. Yeah. I mean, he's very fast. He ran right past me and the defense is probably pissed off about it. So um, but I mean, the fact that you've got a kid like that who's going up against the ones because that's who was being interviewed about it is is most of the ones who took a tunnel screen 80 yards, is I think what the number was to the house. That's um that's pretty hard to do I mean he's you got to be fast and agile uh, to make a play like that so I I'm fired up about that I I think we're gonna see him I mean at least for those four games you get we may get a uh, sneak preview early on in the year but I mean shoot who knows
1: yeah I, I agree I, th- I think I was wrong on that I think he is going to be out there along with them I obviously you know we're always kind of I feel like it's weird because normally we're talking about the guys who aren't the best players. And it's because these are kind of the surprising notes, but the Sanders to Braden Johnson connection is apparently alive and well, he's playing really well. And then Jaden Bray just continues to make jump ball contested catch highlight reels. You've seen them on Twitter. Both these guys are going to be really good. We're not, not talking about them because they're playing poorly. It's just, you know, some of this other stuff is a little bit more interesting, maybe not noteworthy, but just, you know, the Braylon Presley and the Kale Cabanus working it inside, but Bray and Braden Johnson have been awesome.
0: Well, and that was kind of one of the,
1: the unwritten storylines. Well,
0: it's probably been written, but Brayden Johnson and Spencer Sanders know each other very well. Uh, They have played a lot of football together. And I think people early on, in this offseason, forgot about Braden Johnson. I think we'll see pretty quickly. Uh, I think we'll remember him pretty fast. I think he's going to be a big part of this offense.
1: Yeah, no, I completely agree. On the offensive line, Kate, I don't have a lot there. I just wanted to read the beginning of this Gundy quote on the offensive line from, I think it was three days ago. He said, they're good. I feel good about seven guys. We've got a number of guys working in, but I think that we have three guards three tackles, and two centers, at least that are practicing now and performing well enough as we progress along to be ready for the first game. Three guards, three tackles, two centers. Can we, can we guess who they are? Uh, so Preston I mean, Wilson yep. at center, and then I would think Joe Mahalski, but maybe he's talking about Eli Russ. I know Russ played center all spring. So one of, two of those three at tackle, you got to think... Etienne, Springfield, Brooks, Collier. I mean, we know Brooks is going interior, but it's got to be one of those guys. So they showed on the OSU Max the follow from spring practice that recently got released. The line they showed, and again, this is with absolutely no context. This could have been going <laughs> against the threes, but it was Etienne at left tackle, Matirko at left guard, Preston Wilson at center, Hunter Wooded at right guard, and Casey Collier at right so tackle. So there you go. Which, which is the same as the one depth chart we put out, and that we heard they were running at spring camp, except Springfield was out, Collier's in. So, I, I'm thinking, basically, the fact that Gundy's Gundy's has numbers are a little bit like lower than the guys we've been naming off. We've been listing off so many guys these positions. It makes me feel kind of good that he's saying, "I feel good about seven guys," because you know we felt good about three and then have all these other names floating around, but he's saying seven. So I, I don't know. It makes me feel like there's maybe some guys that have kind of started to really show themselves in fall. Well, camp. I, I just feel like one of those has to, I mean, th- that's the ones
0: all the way to Casey Collier. You know what I mean? Like in that yeah. lineup that you just said, that's basically the ones, I mean, I, you could sub out Matirko or, or keep him in. I mean, there, there's some debate to be had over who's going to start at left guard. I think, um, so, I mean, that is a really interesting storyline. And I said if Casey Collier is good enough to play at right tackle, said this earlier in the offseason, this will be the best Oklahoma State offensive line in a long time because That means you can rotate guys around back to their more natural position, like you would now have a Jake Springfield, who could be plugged in somewhere else in the event of an injury. Um, I just feel like that that puts your best foot forward. Um, So it would be good news if that was the case, but I hope it's not out of uh, out of necessity. It's more out of luxury.
1: No, I completely agree. And my last kind of point on it is, you know, the three, three and two that he mentioned with the three guards, three tackles, two centers. That means some of these transfers have to be playing well because right. they have to be in those numbers. And let, I mean, unless he's talking about young guys or walk-ons, I, I think you've got to have some of those guys whose names we've talked about, the Brooks, the Collier, these guys have to have been performing well to be in that list. But, you know, Gundy, he... He throws crazy numbers out there all the time, so maybe we're reading too much into it. But along with the O-line, the linebackers, Xavier Benson, he's obviously been performing really well. I think he's kind of standing out above everybody else right now, and then you've got your Mason Cobb, your Lamont Bishop, your Jeff Robertson, your Nick Martin. I think all those guys are also playing really well, but I think Benson has been a highlight for this linebacking core. He looks in the videos, he looks a little slender, but I know he's more of a weak side guy and he plays really well in coverage. I don't think that's going to be an issue. It just kind of stood out to me, him standing next to some of those other linebackers who are kind of more stocky and thick.
0: Em and Cobb look. It's a little different than Rodriguez and Harper running around back there, right? I mean, they're it's yeah. not the same body type. Um, I think they're going to be a little more athletic, um, but you you could potentially lose something in sure tackling. I mean, which you would expect that anyway. So I'm not saying anything groundbreaking there, but yeah, it's I noticed the same thing. But you know, one thing that I wanted to ask you about. I mean, Caleb Etienne. Looks like he's in phenomenal shape. I actually texted oh, yeah. him to you. Um, if you go look at that OSU Max, again, no free ads, but we keep talking about him. Uh, there's <laughs> awesome. about a three-second shot of Caleb Etienne, and the rumor was he had he had trimmed up over the offseason, and the rumors are accurate. I mean, he looks like he's in phenomenal shape. Um, I, I'm really excited to see what he can do. He's He's light on his feet for being so big.
1: And the thing is, I don't think he lost anything in the weight room. But to be able to kind of maintain that strength and add some quickness is going to really help that left tackle Spencer's blind side because he's going to be able to move with some of the better pass rushers on the team who are going to be coming from that edge. 100%. So I think I think that's big time. That's a great call out by you. Um, on the on the defensive line, same names we've been talking about, Brock Martin, Colin Oliver, Ford, Evers, A.C., Uahalamaka, Lacey, Walter Scheid, and then... Nathan Latou. you saw him break practice in that OSU Max video. Yep. This, is Gun- this is Gundy's quote on him. He was asked about him, but he kind of went way deeper, I think, than the real question was to the media. This is from a couple of days ago. He said, Nathan has turned the corner a little bit in our culture, and he's a transfer that's been in the program long enough that he understands the demands of being successful at this level in all areas, on the field, off the field, socially, school-wise, there's just a great demand on those guys to make sure everything's in order so they can perform and keep their mind straight and keep it clean. This, it sounds like Latu is the Gundy prototype of a player. And for that alone, I think he tells Derek Mason, you're playing this guy. Even if Latu wasn't that good, I think he is really good. But Gundy loves this guy.
0: That's phenomenal. I mean, his, his recruiting profile is there. I mean, he was a really highly regarded guy out of JUCO. Um, And he's one that you have talked about a lot this offseason. And, I mean, here we go. I mean, I'm excited to see him. If he can crack the, you know, two deep or even, I mean, the the offensive or the defensive line is almost deeper than two, you know, at this point in time. It's like if he's good enough to be mentioned in the group that he's in, I mean, he he can absolutely play because of the other guys that are around him. So
1: I saw, uh, I think it was Pokes report make this point that if Latou is that good and Lacey has, you know, Lacey's 300 pounds. You can move Lacey inside like we've talked about, but instead of having two Leos out there, which, I mean, you do want two Leos out there, but if Latu is this good, you could have him out there as well and put his hand in the ground on defensive end, still go three down and have Lacey inside with someone like a C or ever. So it just adds to the dynamic ability of this defense. If you've got a guy like Latu who can, not be as good as Tyler Lacey, but play really well as a hand in the ground field side defensive end. And you can move Lacey inside and let, and just completely confuse offensive lines. Cause you've got Lacey inside, you got two Leo's, you got Lacey back outside. So I just, I think it's going to be a lot of fun if he, if he's able to compete at that high level, like it seems like he is.
0: Yeah. I, I love it. I know you're excited about it. I am too. I mean, again, such a loaded group there to be singled out. And not be calling Oliver, Tyler Lacey, Trace Ford, Brendan Evers. And it says something about it. And it's funny, do you think that uh, Nathan Latou was like, Coach, what, what are you talking about me like that for? Because it sounds like like stuff was off the rails for him. I hopefully yeah. not, but you don't know. It's like I, I anyway, it's a funny quote. He's like,
1: Mike, chill out. Yeah, but, coach. Uh, I'm good. <laughs> the last thing I had, Caden, I just want we talked about it last week. I just wanted to bring it up to you. It sounds like kick return is Brennan Presley and John Paul Richardson. And then kind of behind those guys is Jaden Nixon and Braylon Presley. So how do you feel about that group? Is that, I mean, could you ask for a better group? I think those are all the guys we were asking for.
0: I I mean, I really think in terms of speed and sure-handedness, I think Braylon and I'm sorry, Brennan and John Paul Richardson being your one there makes all the sense in the world. I mean, sure-handedness, speed, speed, elusiveness that's what you want back there but ultimately sure-handedness and then I mean we, we've said can you see Braylon and Brennan and the rumor is we will see it I mean I, the, the expectation is that might happen at some point uh this this season so uh, do you think they'll have any sort of like special gadget special teams play when those two guys are back there I mean who really knows I can't wait to see what
1: happens yeah and the other thing about John Paul Richardson too the sure-handedness but he's very fast I think, he is that's very fast. Just, I think, you know, not that Dylan Stoner wasn't fast, but, you know, he's wearing the same number. He's, he's playing that slot position. You kind of just compare those guys. John Paul Richardson is faster than him. Oh yeah. He's no doubt very about it. fast. Yeah. So yep. that's, that's, I love that. It, when you think about, you know, like I just didn't want it to get, when you think about John Paul Richardson, you think about how he has no drops. That's not all he can do on kick return. He can also take off down the field and oh. he's got big playability as well.
0: Yeah. Great call there for sure.
1: Hey, that's all i've got on football
0: well that was phenomenal you're getting me jacked up here at 9 15 on a tuesday night for football i mean we're next time we talk we're going to be a, almost like just over a week away from from the start of the season i yeah we're, can't wait. we're gonna be
1: previewing central michigan soon
0: unbelievable well uh dustin before we move on we got a couple of basketball notes to get to believe it or not on august 15th uh, or august uh 16th today is. But before we do that, I do want to take a quick break and say thank you to the sponsor of the Feels Like 45 podcast, Price Buckley with Edward Jones. Price is the fourth generation in his family to graduate from Oklahoma State University, and he loves working with fellow alumni. Price uses a personalized approach to build a custom investment strategy tailored to your unique goals and circumstances so that you can turn your ideal future into a reality. You can reach Price at 469 757 zero two nine zero or on his website edward forward slash price hyphen buckley and that's spelled b-u-c-k-l-e-y dustin i mean this is a uh, a couple of interesting notes on basketball number one let's start here let's start with the good news first jamyron keller um a three-star point guard some some websites have him ranked as four star um commits to Oklahoma State this last week, and things had started to trend that way. I don't even know if you and I had even talked about Jemiah and Keller before on this podcast. If so, it was very sparingly. But this is a guy Oklahoma State's been on for for some time now and uh, commits six one combo guard. Um, really, I would expect to kind of plug into that. Uh, you know, his recruiting profile kind of reminds me of an Avery Anderson just in terms of stature. And then you look at, like, I think style of play. John Michael Wright would be, you know, my comp just to, when you go yeah. look at him. But he's, he's pretty explosive. I like him a lot.
1: Yeah, so do I. Like you said, his recruiting profile, K-State, TCU, Texas, VCU, St. Louis, Oral Roberts, a lot of good schools coming after this guy. He's joining – so it's now him and Brandon Garrison. I think when I looked earlier today, Oklahoma State was ranked 13th on 247. We wanted them to get two guys. You know, Boynton's been big on getting guys who can play point guard and guys who can shoot. So you've got a guy who can play point guard, and he really can do more than that. I know he's only six one, but if you watch his highlights, he'll go down there in the post. He's guarding bigger guys. The only concern I think I have with him is his three-point shooting. But, again, if he's a facilitator, he can work on that. He's going to be a really, really solid player, I think, at Oklahoma State. And he kind of he's kind of blown up recently yeah, in the URBL circuit, averaging a, a double figures, uh, like four rebounds. I think I had written down a few assists, almost a steal in twelve games. Shot almost fifty percent from the field, and basically kind of was one of the main components on his team. I think they went undefeated at the Peach Jam. I believe is what I saw. So it it's a big get. I think it's flying a little bit under the radar since football season's about to start. But I think having Jamiron Keller and Brandon Garrison as your recruiting class for 2023 is big time. Yeah,
0: no doubt. And I think there were I mean, there was some concern over uh this recruiting class two months ago before Brandon Garrison committed. And now I think you've got, I mean, Brandon Garrison, I, I'm a huge fan of. Um, now you've got a, a guy in Jamiron Keller that I think really rounds out that that freshman class. And then you're I mean, you're gonna have to reload in the portal. There is no doubt about it. I mean, they, they're gonna lose a lot in this coming off season um so i mean they, they'll they'll have to reload but i like the nucleus that they've got here
1: yeah i do k do you think they get anybody else
0: I, well and you're running and, on
1: scholarships <laughs> well
0: i was more saying next year they're gonna have to reload after this season right um, But do
1: you think they get anybody else in 2023 no, because I, I know they're I still like in top it. they're still in top six list and things like that who was it uh Keanu dolls put out his the other day and he has yeah. Oklahoma state listed in there it there's no way they take anybody else in this class, I don't, right? I
0: don't think so. It feels like the perfect opportunity to go ahead and take your lumps and take one of those, um, one of those scholarships off the table to satisfy some of the NCAA's requirements. Um, Keanu Dawes, though, might be one of the guys that they say, you know what? If he wants to come here, we'll take him and we'll figure it out later. I mean, I I really like him, um, but. They may not. I mean, and you know this, and and it's no different in football, but it's very noticeable in basketball. There are a lot of non-committable offers. Um, There's a lot of offers that are made on contingencies of other recruits, of other transfer portal prospects even. Um, So, you know, in basketball, it's very noticeable um, when a player – is filling out a, a recruitment graphic. I'm not saying that's what Keanu Dawes is doing. I really think Oklahoma State would take him if he wanted to come. But I, I think, you know, that's just a, a storyline to watch as you start seeing, as you said, some of these top sixes, top threes, top, top eights. Um, a lot of these offers are non, like non-committable based on contingencies. So that, that, that tends to happen in college basketball.
1: Yeah, and they may have another roster spot open up. Not yeah. To, uh...
0: Phenomenal transition there. <laughs> Nicely done. You're a real pro. I mean, this is this is weird, isn't it? I mean, Russell Harrison is somebody I know you you were pretty high on. I, I was really excited about him out of Louisiana Monroe, just came in out of the transfer portal, seemingly out of nowhere for Oklahoma State, but sharp shooter, really good three-point shooter. And the concern is that he might not be eligible, which is very strange that you could get to this point in the process. And the NCAA gives you a phone call and says, Hey, we're thinking he might not be eligible. So I don't know the specifics, but there is some concern in the program that he may not be, may not be available.
1: And Kate, it makes a little bit of sense to what you and I brought up as a concern on an earlier podcast about him not being in any of the videos or anything. How about that? And getting to Stillwater late. And now we hear this. I don't know if those two things are related at all, but I think it would be concerned because he's a shooter and that's what this team needs more of. If he's not able to play, I think that's, it's not going to be a huge blow, but I think it's definitely an impact to this team.
0: I totally agree. It would, it would um, dampen my expectations. Not that I think Russell Harrison was going to be the difference in a you know, big 12 title or, or NIT, but I, I do think he, he unlocked some things for them. I liked, I liked how long he is. I, I like his ability to put the ball on the ground and make a play um any and he can shoot it from three he's got a really nice um fluid shot and that's not something we've had a lot of in in Stillwater. so i you know i i hope that's not the case but unfortunately i'm i'm concerned that it might be
1: yeah we'll we'll keep you updated as we hear more and these are obviously just kind of rumors right now but if something concrete comes out we'll definitely break it down a little bit farther and how it impacts this roster yeah no
0: doubt I Dustin. Anything else on basketball? I mean, we're shoot, we're only three months away from that. I just got my new oh. tickets, so I'm I'm pumped. I'll probably see you there a couple of nights uh, here and here not too long.
1: Oh yeah, that uh, basketball season is gonna be a lot of fun. I don't have anything else, Kate. I think I well, think flip- we've pretty much hit everything before questions.
0: Yeah, let's flip it straight into questions. We'll start off. We've got a uh, one last week. That didn't get read. I think that's probably more my fault than anything. (laughs) It's Jacob Auer. uh, And we wanted to just say thank you. We got your question. We didn't mean to miss it last week. But let's go ahead and hear it uh, here, Dustin. Hey, guys. I'm a newer listener, but I'm a big fan of y'all's content. I just had a quick question about this year's men's basketball team. Which player do you think will have the biggest increase in points per game from last season to this season? Oh, I've got a cheap answer. I mean, mine, I'm going to go with Chris Harris. <laughs> I think he's going to go from zero to four and a four oh, point, from zero. Yeah. Zero to four and four points per game is a big jump for anybody.
1: I, I actually like that answer, not because it's cheap, but because I, I think it'd be awesome if Chris Harris was able to play. He seems to be like the main guy in the locker room that yeah. everybody really enjoys. So I think
0: he's definitely a leader. Definitely. I
1: did want to say thanks to Jacob, new listener and sending in an audio question. You are the man. We That's really correct. appreciate that. Um, I'm looking at I'm looking right now. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Bryce Thompson. I think he gets a little bit closer. He was at 10.6 last year. I think he gets a little bit closer to that 20 range. And I think maybe like a 17, 16, 17. And I think a six or seven point jump is going to be the highest on the team. I think Avery can pop back up to like that 15 range, but that would only be like a three. If he gets the 16, four point jump, you know, Musa C is a guy who you see could pop up from that 7.2, but because he kind of relies on guys to play, make for him. And I need to see that we have those playmakers now that ice is gone. And now, you know, some of these guys that can facilitate before I would, before I would, you know, call him out as the biggest jump. So uh, another, another one that may be cheap, just because he got a, a little light playing time last year at times is Caleb Boone.
0: Ah, I like that a lot.
1: Cause I think he may start and he was only at 5.8. I, I think that would be a, an easy answer along with the Chris Harris. But if I want to go for like an upside play, I think Bryce Thompson can, can really increase his.
0: Yeah, I, I love that. And I mean, if Bryce Thompson's a 17-point-per-game player for this team, I mean, they're going to be better than, than even I expect, and I think they're going to surprise. One guy, I, I tweeted this earlier in the week, I am buying all of the Caleb Asbury stock. I think he's athletic. I think he's a three-level scorer. I think he's physical. Um, Will quickly be one of the guys in the Big 12 that is like, wait, who's that? Um, I, I, I am a fan, big fan
1: i love that and he's a guy that's not talked about a ton especially with john michael wright kind of being who everyone thinks may take over some point guard duties and then russell harrison with some of this news coming out seems like asbury's kind of flying under the radar so i I love that call out yep yep
0: i we'll see what happens but this this roster you know with russell harrison is a contender for top half of the big 12 to me and uh we've been waiting on a team like that uh, in stillwater i mean cade cunningham was that team, but it it was a flash in the pan. I mean, for, for a lack of a better word, it was. And uh, just based on the sanctions last year and what led up to that season. Now this is a big time year for Mike Boynton.
1: Yeah, no, I completely agree.
0: All right. We've got another one here from Ryan Winkle. Um, If I could operate my, my soundboard here, here we go. What's
1: up dudes. I want to hear
0: your predictions for who's going to lead the team in sacks who's going to lead it in tackles for loss, uh, tackles in general, and then who's going to lead in interceptions. A defense question, Dustin. Are we – I mean, why aren't we in the SEC? I mean, we should have asked Eddie that. We're, we're playing <laughs> SEC football. We're getting asked SEC questions.
1: I, I love it. I love getting the, the defense questions. We love talking defense. So, Kade, okay, this one's interesting, because, especially when you look at a total tackles perspective because I believe your top two in total tackles, I just pulled it up, and yeah, this was my assumption, but Malcolm Rodriguez and Devin Harper, and then three, Colby Harvell-Peel, after that, Jark Bernard. You don't get a returning player until you get down to Jason Taylor. For tackles for loss, it's Malcolm Rodriguez and then Colin Colin Oliver. Sacks, obviously, was Colin Oliver, Brock Martin right behind him. And then interceptions, you had Colby Harvell peel with three and Jason Taylor with two. So who? Let's go with total tackles first. We'll just do total, so you don't have to separate solo and assisted. But who do you think leads the team in tackles this year?
0: Oh, I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with Mason Cobb. Everything we've heard about him is he's in the right spot, hard hitter. Uh, some have said he's the hardest hitter on the team that doesn't necessarily lead to volume and tackles, but, um, I, I have a hard time seeing it be a Colin Oliver teams are going to run away from him. I would think I have a hard time believing it's trace Ford. Um, I mean, it could be trace Ford, um, just knowing that teams are going to game plan against Colin Oliver. Um, I'm going to go with Mason Cobb though. I really think it's one of those linebackers.
1: Yeah, I think linebacker is a safe pick, especially if – and even if he doesn't, even if Mason – Derek Mason goes to kind of more of a Jim Knowles scheme with that kind of spill and kill, I still think going with a guy like Xavier Benson could could get a lot of tackles, and I love the Mason Cobb call-out. But we've seen Mason go with this more kind of funnel things back into the middle – yeah, and if he does that, I, I don't know how it's not Cobb or Benson unless unless the roi- linebackers are just rotating. But this seems like and even in the Knowles defense, the top two were Rodriguez and Harper. So yeah, if you go Cobb, I'll go Benson. I think it's gonna be one of those two guys. Uh, for tackles for loss and sacks, let's just let's just do kind of those combined because it'll probably be someone similar up there. I mean, Colin Oliver was first in sacks and. Second in tackles for loss. Yeah, Brock so, Martin was second in sacks, third in tackles for loss. So. Gosh, I mean, yeah, I mean, they're, they're so loaded. Um, it's going to be one of the Leos, I, I think, again, like it was for sacks. I, I just don't know how much they're going to rotate. So it makes it a little tough, but no one's even close. The Oliver yeah. and Martin, that's not, that's not a lot. Like, so Devin Harper was next, and then after that, it drops all the way off to Tyler Lacey at 3.5, and Oliver at 10.5.
0: Yeah, I think, I think I'll go, I think i go with Colin Oliver because I think he's having a double-digit sack type of year, but I would not be surprised if it's Brock, Brock Martin. Like, yeah, with, th- with the amount that teams are going to scheme away from Colin Oliver, same, same thought process, I could see that being a good year for Brock Martin.
1: I agree. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be Colin Oliver, dark horse candidate. I'm going to go against Xavier Benson. I just, I don't know. I, I love the way that Mason blitzes, and I don't know how much he's going to do what he did at Auburn here, but I, I could see some, you know, some fire blitz type things or things like that where he's bringing the linebackers. And Benson is very fast, so I, I'm high on Benson. If you can't tell but <laughs> let, let, let's just say we'll go with those same two for tackles for loss, just to kind of save a little time. I love the question though, Ryan. Yeah, it's great. And then interceptions. I think you got to go Jason Taylor. Hundred percent. I, I don't know how you could go. Anybody else, especially if they're going to play a lot of man, like Mason's accustomed to him. Like we've seen Knowles do. I know he went, should a lot of cover three and some quarters and stuff like that last year, but it's hard for the cornerbacks to make interceptions in a man defense because their eyes are on the receiver they're turning around or getting their hands up when they see the receiver's eyes widen.: Well, Jason Taylor's going to be at that rover spot, which is like the free safety, so he's got the most opportunities if he's just running around.
0: 100 percent so kind of playing
1: center field. It's an easy one for me. It's Jason Taylor. I mean, another one I, everybody
0: loves Jabbar Muhammad right now, and I think it's just from his ability to cover so much ground. he's crazy fast, pretty rangy. Um, I could see him being number two, even Corey black. I like our corners better today based on the things I've heard than I did like three months ago. And so um, I, I, I like it. I, I like everything, but I think it's Jason Taylor.
1: And okay there's one, there's one I'm going to mention. that's just, I couldn't say it first because <laughs> then it would be too predictable, but Kendall Daniels. Yeah. I actually didn't expect you to go with
0: that. Um, but I thought that that was like your, as you just said, you got to say it. <laughs>
1: I love that question, Ryan. I, Kate and I love the ones like that where it's kind of predictions for this season. So we're always down for those. We love all you guys' questions, but those oh, are yeah. always fun for us. So, um, okay. So there was a we went really long with Eddie. You guys will see this po- This will come out before this podcast, but we ran out of time for questions. We hit a few of them, but I just wanted to shout you guys out because we hit some of them without actually mentioning your names. Our guy M uh, underscore camera one underscore asking about how Eddie became such a reasonable OU fan. We talked about Murphy's, the dirties era, and him just really liking Stillwater. Uh, Brian Metcalf asked about Dylan Gabriel, how how Eddie thought he was going to kind of be and where he was going to end up. Eddie's obviously really high on him. If he stays healthy, he thinks he can be one of the better quarterbacks in the league. Our guy Royal John (laughs) asked... Better nickname for cigarettes, lung darts, or heaters. I wish we would have gotten that one out to Eddie because I feel like he would have gone a few minutes on that one. Um, I do love that question though and I think <laughs> I think that was it that were directed just solely to Eddie so the next one and Kate, unless you had any any takes on any of those that I missed
0: uh no I'm, I'm good on the cigarette talk. thank you though
1: <laughs> so the next we've got uh Ian Maloney he says. The SEC move will bring more dollars and the Big 12 is in flux but 5 years from now whose fans are happier with their new situation OU's or OSU's and he's at Ian Maloney 12. I, this one's tough because I think OSU is going to continue to be really good and be at the top of the Big 12. I'm not I'm just uncertain on how good OU is going to be in the SEC. I'm not saying they're going to be bad. But if they're not in the title game after the first five years, don't you think their fans are upset? Oh, I think they're extremely upset. That's the, that's so, the thing. So if it's, ha- if it's based on a happier fan base, I think we continue competing for Big 12 titles. I mean, I know next year we've got the quarterback situation where that's a little bit up in flux. As Sanders come back. Is it Gunner Gundy, Rangel? But outside of that, Oklahoma State's pretty much here to stay.
0: Yeah, I totally
1: so agree. I, I think I'm gonna go OSU's fans will be happier, but yeah, and I, I think OU
0: fans are gonna have to accept I mean in the SEC, there are there are nine and three years that feel really good like with the years you run into Bama LSU, um, a good Tennessee, a really good M, it's like those are the years that that sucks to be in the SEC because your team is really good, but you just ran into four buzz saws um, and I think OU, I, I hate even talking about them on this podcast I really do but they they will have to get used to that. Um, like even a good year being spoiled by a road trip to Alabama you know what I mean and and yeah that relegates you to nothing better than the Sugar Bowl if you even even if you win every other game, you may not get in the playoff because you lose that game. So it's just they'll have to get used
1: to that yeah and we don't no, i yeah. i agree i think that was a, a kind of a great way to break it down there um thanks ian for that next is randall who was on the podcast with me last week he says what do you think is osu's most most important game this year and why Kate, i i'll let you go first on that one.
0: Oh, this is this is a hands down easy one for me it's baylor
1: i, I that's what that's what i was gonna say i also think it is and you know, Bedlam's at the end of the year and things like that, but I think it's gotta be Baylor because if you lose that one, it kind of just brings you down a notch on what you thought this season could be. And I'm not, I'm not saying it's a guaranteed victory or anything like that. Like, like it's going to be an upset if Baylor wins, I'm just saying you really want to win that one. And it kind of just changes the trajectory of your season.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think back to 2016. Like most years, I I totally agree with you. You lose that game, it sets you off on the wrong foot. But you win it, and one of your toughest games is behind you, and you're four and o. But I look back at like that 2016 year where the game happened against Central Michigan, and then they went to a good Baylor team and lost that game as well. They had to rattle off like. Seven straight games, and then they competed for a Big Twelve title against OU and lost that game. But it makes the middle of that season do or die every Saturday, right? And that's not what you want. I mean, that's 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 going to be college game day. I mean, I think they uh, there's actually a big game competing against you know for that that weekend. But I I think that is a the biggest game in the conference outside of the Red River rivalry this year.
1: Yeah, I agree. I I think I think that's got to be the answer and. There's other ones you could throw on there, Texas homecoming, like I said, bedlam. But I think I think you're right. I think that's the answer. the The last question we got is from Matt Claxton, who always asks awesome questions at Road Crew One. I think we may skip this one for this week, and we can come back to it, Cade. Unless you want to hit it. He asked thoughts on the OKC Dave survey results. Ooh, I I am uh, I am I can't keep my attention for that long. So I actually didn't <laughs> take the survey, and I have not looked at the results. So if if you if you can speak to this, we can hit it now. But if not, we can hold this one. Well, next I week actually,
0: well. you know what? I actually did read through it and I have some thoughts, but I would love for you to read through it. So that way we can have an educated discussion on it. I mean, there were, there's some really interesting stuff in there that I would want you to see. And then we can talk about it. So let's do that next
1: week. Yeah. Sorry about that, Matt. That's, that's completely my bad. So, hey, Kate, I think you got two it.
0: episodes this week, Matt. So don't, Dustin, don't <laughs> apologize, Matt. Don't be mad. Everybody's good here.
1: If I missed a question, I'm sorry. I tried my best to go back through these before the podcast, but there was some ridiculous conversations going on <laughs> in the in the thread uh which I love that you got that we created that kind of, you know, I mean not that we created it, it was probably more due to Eddie, but that kind of banter in there, but it was very hard for me to pick out the actual questions. So I tried my best. If I skipped you, I'm sorry. DM us and I will I'll read it next week.
0: Yeah, for lack of a better word, there was a lot of poop flinging going on in our mentions <laughs> today. <laughs> there's, there's a zoo in there. I mean, it it was crazy, but a great episode with Eddie. Uh, you'll get that on Wednesday. And then obviously this one will come out Thursday. So Dustin, I mean, a great week. I'm we're so close. We're so close. I can feel it. I mean, we start on a Thursday this year, and that's a weird feeling, but I mean, this year I think I'm ready for it. I just needed to get here.
1: Yeah, same here. I'm I'm so ready.
0: All right, well, let's wrap it up. If you're not already, follow us on the podcast on Twitter at feels like forty five pod. You can follow Dustin at dustragu and follow me at kade Get us to two thousand. We were just talking. We're we're pretty close on Twitter. So if you like the show, uh, retweet us. Get us in, in the uh, in front of your friends and uh, let's get us to two thousand before the season starts. Dustin, good to talk with you, man. Uh, good to see you, and we'll talk to you next week. Go, folks. Check out Homefield Apparel's new Oklahoma State line. I don't know if you have. I know Dustin and I both are rocking the new Homefield Apparel shirts that have just gone live on their website at homefieldapparel.com. I mean, the Curse of Cowboys across the chest is absolutely gorgeous. I don't know if you guys have seen the Pistol Patty t-shirt, but it is great as well. And Homefield Apparel is doing phenomenal stuff, even outside of Oklahoma State sports. If you go on their website right now, you can see potential future Big 12 members Colorado with a throwback t-shirt on their website. I'm just a big fan of Homefield stuff, and the quality is unbelievable. So check them out at HomeFieldApparel.com. And when you use our promo code feels 12 you actually will get a discount. That's right. Feels 12. We'll get you 15% off your first order when you use our promo code, Feels 12, at homefieldapparel.com. Check them out right now and tell them that the Feels Like 45 podcast engine.